right. Thank you, uh, Sean, very much. Sean has been my main contact person in making arrangements to get up here, and uh, he's, uh, he's uh, been a good uh, instructor to help me uh, find my way up here and get settled in, and I appreciate it very much. I've done a fair bit of traveling, uh, some overseas uh, in my life, and um, one of the things that I never like uh, is the time change, adjusting to that, you know? And I'd forgotten what it's like to try to adjust to a four-hour time change, you know, just, and so it messes with my sleep, you know, especially when you have a finely tuned athletic body such as mine. <laughs> you know, it just, you know, I have, I have trouble sleeping. And so I'm finding that I'm, I'm like struggling to sleep and it's getting better. But when I struggle to sleep like that, I dream. I dream crazy dreams, and I'm not going to tell you what I'm dreaming about, but it's, it's just kind of strange to have those dreams, because the truth of the matter is, I, I'm so old that I don't really dream a whole lot anymore, and guess what? That's a tragedy. My, my challenge to all of you this morning is really quite simple. I want to talk to you about daring to dream again, and to dream about this year that, that we are uh, embarking upon. This is the very first Sunday of a brand new year of 2019, and you know, too many people, I think, have settled for just surviving. You know, they just go throughout life and just say, well, I just hope I get through another day. I just hope I get through another year. And so we set the bar really, really low. And I don't think that that's what God wants for us. I think God wants more for us than that. Now, when I was growing up in northern Indiana as a little kid, our house was down by the woods. And at the edge of the woods was this great big oak tree, big solid oak tree. And about six feet up from the bottom of that tree was a big branch. And it came out from the side like this and went up like a big U. And there at the age of seven, my friends and I, we would go down to the tree. And my friends would crawl up the tree and sit on that branch that came out. And they would jump off. That was about the only form of entertainment we had back in those days. Um, we called it the jumping tree. How innovative, right? And so I remember one day that we were out there at the jumping tree, and I was the only one that had never crawled up the tree and sat on that branch and jumped off. The only one. And probably the reason why is that, have you ever sang the song Deep and Wide? Some of you grew up like that, deep and wide, deep and wide. Well, that was me at age seven. I was deep and I was wide. And I ain't crawling up on no tree and jumping off. But we were down there one day and all my friends kind of egged me on. I'm like, I'm thinking, I can do this. So I somehow managed to get up that tree and I was sitting on that branch and I looked down and I thought, oh, it looks a lot further down than it did looking up. And I'm sitting there and my friends are like, jump, 
jump, jump. I'm like, no, no. And so one of my friends looked up and said, I dare you. Dare you to jump. Well, you dared me. And so couldn't do it. Another friend said, I double dare you. Well, that takes it up a notch, doesn't it? To go from a dare to a double dare. And so I'm like, okay. And no matter, I just, I couldn't do it. Deep and wide. I'm like, I'll die. So then one kid looked up and kind of curled up his lip. And he said, I double dog dare you. Now, I don't know in Alaska if you know what a double dog dare is. Do you know what it is? That? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate, right? I mean, it don't get any more challenging than a double dog dare. And so when he threw that out and said, I double dog dare you, I'm like, all right, deep and wide, ready to launch out into the unknown. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I crawled back down to my shame. And I want you to know that was 58 years ago. And I regret to this very day that I didn't accept the challenge of that double dog dare. This morning, first Sunday, 2019, I'm issuing you a double dog dare. Not a dare, <laughs> not a double dare, but a double dog dare. This is as serious as it gets. I'm challenging you, challenging you to dare to dream again and to dream about what God wants for your life. I think God, God has something big in, in store for you for 2019, something big in store for your family and for the, the relationships that you have. And I'm certain he has something big in store for this church. And the challenge is, for us not to just sit back and say, well, let's just, you know, let's just survive. Let's just see what happens. No. Let's, let's accept this challenge to, to, to dream again. And I found a, a, a psalm. It's Psalm 126. It kind of gives us a little bit of guidance to think about daring to dream again. So let me, let me read Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not, but the Old Testament is really filled with this idea of being on a journey or, 
or being on a, on a pilgrimage. And you don't have to look too far to see that. Just go to the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. And of course, that book is all about a people that are being on a journey. The children of God being set free from the land of Egypt. And they start out and they're on this journey and they're on this pilgrimage. They're on their way from here to there. Um, you, you see that theme, of course, very prominent uh, in the book of Exodus. That's, that's what it's all about. But there are other times in the Old Testament, too, where you see this theme of being on a journey or being on a pilgrimage, and usually it has to do with the people of God that have been uh, held in captivity, and then they're set free. And they go back to the Holy Land, this idea of of always being on a journey, always being on a, on a pilgrimage. And that's what we find here in Psalm, Psalm 126. Bible scholars think that this is a, a psalm that was written uh, about the Babylonian captivity. And back then, of course, the way it was uh, done is that when the bad guys came in if, and if they beat you up, uh, they would tear down all your buildings, and they would take you captive. They would take you back to their land, and you had to be a servant, and, and it was a terrible thing. And so they're saying in Psalm 126, this, this is uh, the writings of somebody that had experienced that, living in Babylon, far away from the Holy Land, far away from the very presence of God, and now it's this idea that they're going to be set free. And so Psalm 126 captures the dreams and emotions of those people that are on their way home. They are people that are on a journey, and they're on a journey just like you and I. And the truth of the matter is, if we're going to have a great part of the journey, 2019, the kind of journey that God wants us to have we have got to dare to dream again. You know, you and I, we're, we're pilgrims. We're, we're on the way, you know? And we're born, and we live our first year and second year, and every year we live, we're living another chapter in our life. We're covering another mile in our journey. And in 2018, you, you lived out part of your journey. And now 2019 lies out before you, and it's, it's a challenge to live a life in 2019 that we really ought to live and just not simply coast. So I, I, I hope, you, hope you get that. And I don't know anybody here, but I'm wondering, did you have a good 2018? And some of you surely did. Maybe you look back on 2018, and you say, man, that was the best year of my life. Or maybe you look back on 2018, and you're like, man, I just, truth of the matter is, I just kind of coasted. I just settled for whatever came my way. God has more for you than that. You and I, we are pilgrims. We're on an incredible journey. And we've got to grab for all we can get, in a good way, I mean that. 
And I, my, my hope and prayer is that at the end of this year, on December 31, 2019, that as you're sitting in front of the TV and watching the ball drop, that you will maybe even remember this little sermon, this little talk that we're having. I'll be gone long by then. But maybe you'll remember this challenge. And maybe you will say with a smile on your face, I had the, one of the best years of my life because I dared to dream again. I believe that's what it takes, and that's what it, that's what it, what it starts with, is dreaming again. And we all know if you want everything to remain the same, just don't make any changes. <laughs> you know? You'll get the very same, pretty much the very same results. And that's, that's true for your own personal life. That's true for your family. That's true in your relationship with your spouse, your kids, your parents. If you don't want anything to change, just don't change anything. You get the very same results. And that's true with a church, too. May I tell you what, I'm so impressed with you as a, as a congregation and as a church. And again, I'm, I'm so brand new, I, I say that guardedly because I, you know, I don't know uh, a lot about what you're like. But wow, such a wonderful congregation. Here you are, young folk. And uh, the first service had a bunch of people in it. And, I, you know, you're just, you're just doing really good. But you've had some challenges, and obviously the biggest challenge that you've had is that your pastor that you love and that has led so well has now uh, gone. And so now there's some anxiety. I'm sure there has to be. It's like, what are we going to do now? And there's got to be some, some of that. So th there are challenges here, here at the church. And the truth of the matter is, uh, the church is on a pilgrimage, just like you and I are. And if we want God's best for this church, and I believe you do, we've got to dream again. What is it that God wants this church to become? That's really the question. Well, let's take a little closer look at Psalm 126. And I just really have two things to point out to you in this psalm that will help us have the mindset of a pilgrim, as we see here in Psalm 126. And I'll just read uh, verse 1 again, this little verse. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Now just stop there and just say that these people could have very easily said well, we've been beat up. Here we are. We're being held captive. There's not much we can do. We're underneath the thumb of these Babylonian people. They're mean to us. We're in chains. We might as well just try to survive. But my hat is off to them because they refuse to just settle. In fact, they said... We're going to dare to dream about going back to the Holy Land, about getting free and making this pilgrimage and going back to where we need to be, where God wants us to be. And so they dared to dream again, and 
I, you know, I just kind of, my mind just kind of goes wild as I think about these people sitting by the fire at night and, and they're talking to, the, to each other and they start to dream and one of them says, someday we'll be free. See that dare to dream again and the refusal to settle for, for the status quo. Somebody else might have said, man, I can see it now. When we come around the corner and see the Holy Land, another one sitting by the fire might say, yeah, when I get there to the holy city of Jerusalem, I'm going to bow down and kiss the dirt because it's holy ground. You see, they, they said, I, I'm going to dream again. I'm going to dream about a, a better way. I'm going to dream about a better life. I'm not going to settle for second best. And then when you go to the Gospels in the New Testament, it's just filled with examples of people who dared to dream again. I mean, it's just full of examples like that. Like the lame man who had been lame since birth, laying there by the pool of Bethesda and you know, the um, water, you know, the deal was if you got into the water, when the, when the water was stirring, it meant there was an angel above flapping its wings, and if you got into the water first, you were healed, and so there was that lame guy every day of his life by the pool of Bethesda, hoping, daring to dream that the day would come when he'd be the first one in the pool. That didn't work out quite that way, but... Jesus came along and healed him. The guy was there. He was daring to dream that someday he could walk. And guess what he did? And he did because he did not give up. Think about the leper. The lowest of the lowest of the lowest of the outcasts in this society in the first century there in the Holy Land. You didn't get any lower than a leper. And he was, this leper in the Gospels, he was a mess. But he didn't give up. He dreamed of the day that somehow, some way, he would be healed and become a normal person. And you know the story. He was healed. That happened because he didn't give up. He didn't stop dreaming. Just one more, I think about the lady who had this bleeding issue, and she had been bleeding for a lot of years, and it was a horrible, what a, what a mess for her, and a struggle for her, and she was a social outcast because of it. She got it in her head that somehow she could be healed, and she said, if I can only touch the hem of his garment. So she sought Jesus out and dreamed of the moment when she would be healed, and it happened. And all I'm saying is, if those folk would have given up on their dreams, nothing would have changed. If these captives here in Babylon had given up on their dreams, I, I don't think much, much would have changed. A pilgrim, you and I, a church, should never stop dreaming about what God can do for them, to them, 
through them, with them. God wants us to move forward in our personal lives, in our relationships with him, uh, in our family life to strengthen our families, and to build this church here, right here in this place. When was the last time you dreamed about what God would have you do? How long has it been since you just said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for the dream. I'm going to dream about what God wants me to become. And maybe that means like in your occupation, I, I don't know. Or maybe it just means in your spiritual life to, that God wants to take you to a deeper level. Or maybe it means that uh, you have an addiction and God wants you to kick that addiction. I don't know what that means, but how long has it been since you've dreamed about a closer relationship with God? How long has it been since you've dreamed about your family becoming whole? You know, the sad truth of the matter is that the older I become, the harder it is to dream. You know, you think about kids and the dreams they have, and I don't just mean when they're, when they're sleeping. I mean, like, you ask a kid when they're young what they want to be when they grow up, they know. I, I remember, like, a long, long time ago when my nephew was leaving the church and the old preacher man was there at the back door and he was shaking the hands of my nephew, the hand of my nephew. And he was probably seven or eight years old. And the preacher said to my nephew, what do you want to be when you grow up? And without missing a beat, my seven-year-old nephew said, I want to be an underwater alligator wrestler. <laughs> I'm just saying, kids, kids have dreams, right? Why in the world do we stop dreaming? Huh? We need to learn to dream again. And so my double dog dare for you today is to just start with that and to say, you know what? I'm not going to settle for the status quo. I'm not going to go through another year just hoping to survive. I want what God has for me, whatever that might be. I want what God has for this church, and we dare to Dream big dreams for this church. That's the first thing. The second thought I see here, and gratefully the last thought, is in verse 4. I'll read that again. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Now here's the thing. This is not rocket science. It's not a new thought. We just need to be reminded that it's one thing to dream big dreams. And I hope, that, I hope that you're in on that, that you're like, okay, I'll, I'll see what God has for me and for our church in this year. It's one thing to do that. But it's an entirely different thing to begin to pray and ask God to come and help you. And we need God's help because guess what? We can't do it in our own strength. Just like these pilgrims here in Psalm 126 got this big idea of going back to Jerusalem. Well, you know, reality check. 
They're in slavery. They're a long way from home. It's a dangerous journey. How are you going to do that? And the answer is, there in verse 4, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. They knew that if they had any chance of accomplishing these big dreams, they had to have help from God. Restore to us, O Lord, our fortunes like streams in the Negev. And the Negev is the southern part of the Holy Land, the south. And in the south, it's all desert. It's sand. And when you think of desert, and when you think of sand, you don't think of rivers, streams of water. Those two things just don't seem to go together in my mind and probably in your mind. But uh, the experts tell us that once in a great while, something will happen in terms of weather and conditions, that once in a great while, something will happen, a horrendous storm or something. And there in the middle of the desert, on the sand, there will appear these streams of water. And the the psalmist is saying, God, we're dreaming of that when you will come and change us. But we know that it, it can only happen from you. It can only happen as you come and move and direct and guide us. And so we, we must dream again, but we need to ask God to help us. Oh, God, help us. God, help me. God, help my family. God, help my church. Maybe it's a little too simplistic to say, but maybe it's true. We have not because we ask not. Now, I know that we're, I don't know, are we 3,500 miles away from the deep south? Like, I don't know how far it is from Alaska, miles wide, miles um, wise, uh, to like the, or to Arkansas, the deep south. But it's a long ways. And uh, it's, it's in the deep south that a genre of Christian music rose up uh, a long time ago. Southern gospel music. Does anybody know what southern gospel music is? Four people. <laughs> yeah. And, and so southern gospel music is re- was really started and characterized by uh, male quartets. You know, they sing in this, in this tight harmony thing. And years ago, I really got into gospel quartet music, you know, a long time ago. And um, there was a, a group, Southern Gospel Quartet group, in the 40s and 50s that were really famous. They were called the Blackwood Brothers. Has anybody heard of the Blackwood Brothers? Okay, one. We dropped the one there. Really famous, really famous group. And so I got into that, and I discovered that the Blackwood Brothers, they, in the uh, 50s, somewhere along the line, they had a TV show, 15-minute TV show, little concerts where they'd sing up on this, on this platform. And the, the show was uh, sponsored by Lily Flower Company. And I found out that you could buy uh, these TV shows on a, on a VCR tape. So I bought the VCR tape. That shows you how long ago this was. And I'm watching this, and I'm watching the Blackwood Brothers sing in the mid-50s, late-50s. 
And they had a commercial by Lily Flower. And in this commercial, it's like if you buy so many, uh, send in so many uh, uh, empty bags of flour from Lily Flower Company and send in some money, they would send you a set of glasses made by Anchor Hawking of all members of the quartet. And I'm like, ooh, I like that. In fact, we, right, do we have it? Picture? Look, right there, look. Now, is that, in real life, that is deep amber green. And I saw that and I thought, that's so cool. <laughs> now you know how weird I am. But look, see, it, there's all, the, all these guys and stuff, and uh, it's got their fake signatures down there along the bottom. And the second glass in, that's a glass with every member of the quartet on it. See, that's why the picture's smaller. Look at J.D. Sumner, who used to sing with Elvis. I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. But anyhow. And, and so I'm like, I, I want a set of those glasses. So I got on Google. This is before Facebook. I got on Google to see if anybody had a set of those for sale. And I looked. I couldn't find them anywhere. I'm like, how am I going to do this? Because I want, I want a set. So I know what I'll do. I'll call the, the leader of this group that was still singing back, this is probably late 80s, is uh, the guy on the far right, James Blackwood. And uh, James Blackwood was still singing, old man at that point, and I Googled and I found his phone number. <laughs> That's right. So I called him up. It was on a weekend. And on the other end, hello? His 85-year-old wife, I think they're from the they're deep south somewhere, Alabama or somewhere. Hello? And I told her who I was, and, and I, I said, you know, I'm just trying to find somebody that has a set of these. Do you know of anyone that has a set for sale? I just, I, I'm just really interested in them. And she, says, she, said, she said this, well, Brother Hartman, we have two sets and we only need one. And I'm like, what? And, and, and she said, James is out singing with the quartet this weekend. He gets back Monday. I'll have him call you. I'm like, really? And see, so you, you all are at a disadvantage, you know. If I'm telling this story in the Deep South, you're just like drooling right now. Because James Blackwood, he's like the man, you know. So anyhow, Monday morning comes, and my phone rings. And I pick it up, and I go, hello? And sure enough, he goes, hello, this is James Blackwood. And we begin to talk. He says, I understand you're interested in that other set of glasses that we got up in the attic. I said, well, I, I just, and, and before we were all done talking, he said, I'm going to send them to you. I said, how much? He says, it's free. I'll just give them to you. I said, well, can I pay postage? He goes, no, no, just send them to you. And so uh, about a week later, that set that you saw up there on the screen a moment ago, that was, the, that was the set that I got in the mail from James Blackwood. And I thought, can it be this easy? <laughs> you know, I mean, and it occurred to me, if I hadn't asked, if I hadn't started with the dream, 
If I hadn't asked, never would have happened. And I wonder if your dreams aren't realized because we simply don't ask God for help. God wants to help us. Guess what? God's on your side. He's on your side. God is cheering and rooting for this church to become everything he wants it to be. And I... I think that he's just waiting for us to ask him. (laughs) Oh God, restore our fortunes like streams in the Negev. Guess what? I double dog dare you to live like that and make 2019 (laughs) The best year of your life because you dared to dream and then you dared to say, God, come on. God, will you help me? Yep. You're on the edge of the best year of your life. In fact, this church standing right there on the edge of the best year this church has ever had, if we dare to dream, we dare to ask God. Let's pray. Before I pray, I just... I just want to stop and see if there's anything that comes to your mind. A dream that maybe has been given to you by God years ago and you put it on the back burner. I I don't know what it might be. Or maybe even right now as as I've been talking, maybe God just popped a dream into, into your mind to move closer to him, to give up on that addiction, to, to forgive that person that has wronged you deeply, to, to clean up your act. I, I don't know. I challenge you to dare to dream and then ask God for help. Father, I'm so grateful for this wonderful group of people that are here today. What a privilege to be here. But Father, I really do believe that you want 2019 to be a terrific year for everyone that's here today and for the Birch Ridge Community Church. Help us to dare to dream. And Father, I'm going to step right out on the end of a big branch. I'm going to pray that you would give us big dreams. Big dreams. Not for our good and glory, but for your good and glory. Then we invite you to come and help us accomplish those dreams. So that like in this psalm that we just looked at, that people would say, oh, look look what's happened. There must be a God. Father, may it be so. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.